Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. As we go to the Word today, I'm going to be in Hebrews 12. I want to finish the series, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I've enjoyed this series. Um, you may now know, if you listen, that uh, the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, was inspired by a poem written by a missionary. And the last lines of that poem go like this. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at Him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from Him and the divine attraction which God's saints are made even in this 20th century, because it's a 100-year-old poem, will lay hold of you for He is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that He has died to win. And I love that last part, for He is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that He died to win. And that's really the the, the heartbeat behind the series, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You know, today in our Sunday School lesson, we talk about Psalm 139. Uh, today's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday on the Southern Baptist calendar. It's where we remind people of how precious life is. God loves us, and He loves us so much that He demonstrated that love when He sent Jesus to come and, and die on that cross for us. Don't ever doubt that God loves you, because Romans 5.8 says God has proved his love for us in demonstrating the, the death of his son. Um, but um, today I want to talk about running the race to win. This race of life, which the Bible uses that metaphor to look at life, is a, is a journey and life is a race. And uh, today I want to talk about how to run to win that race, run the race to win. You know, I've got to go back for this one. Back in 2002 and three, I was in grad school. I was going to uh, Murray State while I was uh, working full-time in mental health and highly involved in, in the local church where Nancy and I were, and I was getting my master's degree, and I just wanted to knock it out. And so for two years, that's what I did. Spring, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall. For two years, a lot of homework, a lot of reading, and a lot of writing. And during this time, a, a lot of significant changes occurred. My first semester in grad school, I was promoted to middle management in the workplace. My second semester in grad school, um, the Lord opened up the door for me to leave the marketplace and be uh, full-time ministry. And then my second year of grad school, the senior pastor left, and I transitioned to a senior pastor role uh, full-time in the ministry. And then my last semester of grad school, we moved into the parsonage because we had owned our own home. And so it just seems like as time went on, here I was trying to, to accomplish this goal, knowing it wasn't going to be easy, and things were getting harder, things were getting heavier, and life was just getting more and more hectic. You know, life doesn't slow down. It just keeps moving uh, full speed ahead. And it was during this time, it was my last semester in grad school, and I was getting to that point, you, if you've ever been to school, you know what I'm talking about, where I just don't care anymore. I don't care about grades. I don't care about anything. I just want to say, I'm done, and I was there, and it was a Sunday morning at church, and this great guy that I, that I knew that loves the Lord come up to me, and he's just having a conversation with me, and 
he could see the weight on my shoulders. And he said, hey, Corey, have you read Hebrews 11? I'm like, yeah. He goes, it's a great chapter, you know, all the heroes of faith. I'm like, yeah, that's a great chapter. He says, do you know what all of them have in common in Hebrews 11? I said, faith? He goes, they all finished well. Noted. Got it, right? Didn't see that fastball coming, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, brother. I needed that, and that got me through. So when I talk about running the race to win today, I want to ask you, do you run to win, and do you run to finish well? Someone said that postage stamps are getting more expensive, but at least they have one attribute that most of us could imitate. They stick to one thing until they get there. And that is true. Today in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when we look at this passage, it starts out with a therefore in verse 1. And we got to know what that there is there for. So, that's predicated on everything in Hebrews 11. Like I said, Hebrews 11 is a, the chapter about faith, and it lists all these people by name that please God by the way they live their lives, and it was all because of their faith. They trusted the Lord, and they obeyed the Lord. And um, that's what I want to look at for a minute, because it says there, we have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. That is, all those people that have gone before us that are following the Lord. Now, I don't think it's so much that they are looking down from heaven at us as much as they are a cloud of witnesses that we can look back and say, man, look how they went through what they went through. Look how they faced these adversities. Look at how they still had faith and they trusted God. And even if they didn't see things get better, they Follow the Lord, and they did what was right anyway. You see, when I look at some of the names in this list, Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith. Noah built an ark by faith. Abraham obeyed the call of God by faith. Sarah believed God's promise by faith. And then you've got Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, of course, Moses, and the list goes on. So as we look at these men and women, there should come to our minds the conviction that the God of yesterday is also the God of today. In other words, the same God back then works just like that now. Amen? And we need to be reminded of that. And we need to hold on to that. Now, another passage I want to point to this morning for a moment is in Romans 5. Remember I said in Romans 5.8 that God's proven His love for us uh, when Christ died for us. But a little bit ahead of that, in Romans 5, 1 through 5, I'm reminded of why you and I can trust God's process because it's all about character development. Look, if you will, in Romans 5, 1, it says, Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, in, in Romans 4, he talked about being justified by faith. And now he's saying since we've been declared righteous by faith, we now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have access by faith into this grace that we now enjoy and we stand in. And now we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, he says, but also we rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Now think about that one more time. You and I rejoice because of, because of God's grace, because God's grace is in our life and we're saved and we know the Lord. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We know that no matter how bad today is, there is a brighter tomorrow coming, amen, when we will be with the Lord in glory and everything will be sweeter by and by. But until then, what about now? What about the tough times and the adversities that we go through now? What about that? And he says, look, we can re also rejoice in our affliction. Now, how in the world can we rejoice in our affliction? Because he reveals a process. We know something. We know that God uses affliction to produce endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. How does character produce hope? Because it teaches me and it teaches you that when I go through the hard times of life and I trust Him and He brings me through, if God can do that with the bad stuff, <laughs> I can't wait to get to the good stuff. Amen? I mean, if He can bring me through all of that and teach me that He is God, that He is Lord, that His grace is sufficient, then my goodness, when we get to the hope of the glory of God, how sweet is it going to be? And He says this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, not only did God prove His love when Jesus died on that cross for us while we were still sinners, but God has proven that hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because in this life, when we come to Christ and we get saved, He pours out His Holy Spirit in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit is a, down a, a deposit, okay, a down payment, if you will, guaranteeing our inheritance someday. And so if we get a little taste of heaven now, just think of what it's going to be like when that's all there is. All I can say is that's good. And so today, I want to talk about how to run the race to win. Go back to Hebrews 12 for a moment. And we, we see four things in this passage, how to run the race to win. Number one, remember the cloud of witnesses. They just mentioned all these people that live by faith in chapter 11. Remember the cloud of witnesses. I want to ask you, who are your heroes in the Christian faith? You know, when I look at the Bible, I've got two favorites. Uh, obviously, other than Jesus, I'm talking about just regular, ordinary people in the Bible. My favorite in the Old Testament is Joseph. You know, Joseph, he, he had a dream. He had a vision. He was misunderstood. He was hated by his family. He was uh, sold into slavery, and uh, they shipped him off to Egypt, and they thought they would never see him again. And yet, here is Joseph, and all along the way, God is with him, and God is guiding and directing him, but that doesn't mean things are easy. 
He gets betrayed by his own family. He gets sold into slavery. He ends up in a foreign land away from everything he knows. Things look good for a little while until they're not. He gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. He's thrown into prison. Uh, He helps people while he's in prison, hoping they'll remember him someday. And another two years or so go by. And then finally, one day, in the providence of God's time, all of a sudden, the Pharaoh has a dream. And no one understands it. No one can interpret it. And all of a sudden, one of those men that Joseph helped when he was in prison says, Hey, Pharaoh, I know a guy. I think he can help. And in a New York minute, Joseph is summoned from the prison to the palace. And he stands before Pharaoh. And he says, You know, I can't do this, but God can. And he begins to interpret the dream to Pharaoh and explain to him what it means, and makes recommendations on what he should do. And the next thing you know, that dream that Joseph had when he was younger, now begins to come true, because now he's second command in all of Egypt. And a few years go by, there's a famine in the land, just like God had told Pharaoh through the dream, and then here comes Joseph's family. And that's another story in and of itself. But when it's all said and done, the second time that his family comes to Egypt, Joseph reveals who he really is. And then when their father dies and they're afraid, oh, he's got power over us, he's going to get even. Joseph, at the end of his life, says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What a man, okay? What a God. What, what, What happened in Joseph's life? that he could go through all of that with shining colors, and then at the end of his life, no brokenness, no bitterness, just saying, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, and he praised the Lord. You know, that's many times it's so hard to go through life. Why? Because people either become broken or they become bitter. And yet here is Joseph. He loves the Lord, he follows the Lord, he trusts the Lord. And then, of course, in the New Testament, my my favorite person in the New Testament, other than Jesus, of course, that's a regular guy, is James, the Lord's brother, you know. Here is James, who wrote the epistle of James. He was an elder in the Jerusalem church. He was a a leader of leaders. And here is James, and can you imagine having your your, your, your half-brother Jesus, you know? I mean, you're never going to you know, win anything, right? I mean, you know, oh, who did it? Well, it wasn't Jesus. Well, you know, I mean, you can just imagine being James. But here, here is James. He comes to, to, to faith in Christ, at, you know, after the resurrection. He realizes that Jesus was more than just his brother, but he was the son of man. He was the son of God. And he begins to follow him and place his faith in him. And he becomes a leader in the early church. And he writes a, a book of the Bible and he focuses on prayer and wisdom. And, and he says so many things in so few words. And, and all of this, I love, I love James. And then, of course, what about biographies? You know, what Christians in our day and time has God used to encourage you? I know one of my favorites in the ministry was Warren Wiersbe, who passed away about three years ago. And um, I remember when he came to Union University years ago as a student, and I was just spellbound by this guy that just uh, loved the Lord and loved the Word and just could communicate. 
And so we all have our heroes in the Christian faith, but remember your cloud of witnesses. If you and I are going to run this race to win, we need to remember our cloud of witnesses. We need to look back at those who have gone before us, those in Scripture, those in our actual real lives that we know that love the Lord, that trust the Lord, that follow Christ, and be inspired by their example. Be inspired by what God has done in their life and realize that now it's our time and it's our turn. The second thing I would uh, want you to think about is to resolve to lay aside every hindrance. I love what Phoenix did. He saw those other two and he's like, I'm not going up that ladder without, that back, you know, without taking off my backpack. Let's get it off. He already made a re- resolution. I'm going to lay this thing aside before I even go up the ladder. And you know, you and I, when we look at what Scripture says here, we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance. You know, you see runners that will wear ankle weights to build up their, their strength sometimes, but when it's time to run a race, that stuff's got to go. You and I, we need to resolve. If we're going to run the race to win in the Christian life, we've got to address the hindrances in our lives. What are some hindrances? Well, ask these two questions and you'll figure it out. What holds you back and what distracts you? Let's think about what holds you back. As Brother Danny said, we all carry baggage. There's things that you and I hold on to. And uh, let's be honest, it's real easy to hold on to things, right? I mean, our flesh likes it when we can gripe and groan. And we're like, oh, this is so hard. Somebody listen to me. Somebody pay attention. And so we, we, we hold on to a grudge. We hold on to hurt. We hold on to something. And we have this baggage that we carry around with us. And that is going to hinder us in our walk with Christ because we won't be able to get very far because we're carrying a burden that we're not supposed to carry. And so... That is something that holds us back. But what about what distracts you? Oh my goodness. Do you have any distractions in your life today? I don't have any, do you? You know what I'm talking about. We have devices everywhere. We are bombarded with messages all the time. There's a reason why I'm uh, not on social media. It is a time drain. Uh, Once a month or two, I'll get on it, and I'm on it for two or three hours, and I'm like, What did I just do? I can never get that two or three hours back. And so I just leave it alone. I I don't care. If you want to message me, call me or text me, I'm there. But I just don't do social media. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying for me, I can't do it. It's a time drain, so I won't do it. But, you know, there are all kinds of things that are distractions today. And so I just want to say, what are some things that distract you? And let me ask you this. If it's become a hindrance in your life, then maybe you need to step back and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm not the one that can tell you that, but I tell you what, the Holy Spirit can tell you that. So again, ask yourself the question, if I'm going to run this race to win, what are some things that hold me back? And what are some things that distract you? And whatever those things are for you, they might be different for me than they are you, but whatever they are, they're not worth holding on to. They're not worth spending time on when it comes to running this race to win. So resolve to lay aside every hindrance. The third thing when we come to run the race to win is to remove the sin that easily ensnares. See, there's a difference between hindrances and sin. Sin is clearly wrong. 
Hindrances aren't necessarily wrong, but they're not helping you, okay? And so whatever your hindrances are, you need to resolve to lay them aside. But when it comes to the, to the sin that ensnares us, that's not optional. You and I have to remove that. We have to repent of that if we're going to be right with the Lord. I love what one person said. He says, you can't run the Christian race if you keep tripping over your sins. And that is so true. You and I have got to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. Someone said the price of sin is very high, though now it may seem low, and if we let it go unchecked, the crippling power of it will grow. And that is true. You know, every sin starts off small, doesn't it? All this, this little thing's not going to hurt. Nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. Oh, it's not hurting anybody. I'll just do this. And the next thing you know, that little thing becomes a big thing. And that's where we all get in trouble. Notice here he says, the sin. There's different uh, scholars and commentators that talk about that. And uh, there's a couple of different ways of looking at that. One of them is within the context of Hebrews. They've just spent a whole chapter in chapter 11 talking about faith. If you broaden out the rest of the book of Hebrews, it's a book written to the Hebrew people that have uh, come up learning the law, uh, practicing the sacrifices, and now they've heard the good news of uh, of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, how He is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And now we don't need those sacrifices anymore because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He lays down His life once for all time. You know, the blood of goats and, and calves could never take away sin, but now by Jesus Christ laying down His life, the sacrifice of Himself, the sinless, stainless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, I am now justified before God by the life and the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's once for all time. Eternal redemption. And so now... I need to make sure that there's nothing that ensnares me. And, and some say that the sin is the sin of unbelief, and that's, that certainly could be a part of it. Others go the practical route and say, the sin. What is the sin in your life that trips you up the most? You know it. The Holy Spirit knows it. Nobody else may know it. Perhaps they do, perhaps they don't. But what is the sin that trips you up the most? And whatever that is, you and I need to remove that sin and repent of that sin so that we can run the race to win. The fourth thing when it comes to how to run the race to win is to rely on the Lord. Boy, I love how God puts things together, don't you? Don, that song was great. Here we are talking about relying on the Lord, leaning fully on Him. Isn't that right? And so here I want to talk about relying on the Lord. And I'm reminded of a couple of passages that have always encouraged me. One is Philippians 4, where Paul says, I've learned something about how to be content. He says, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Him, that is through Christ, who strengthens me. Many times that verse, uh, Philippians 4.13, it's a great verse. Many times it's quoted and it's, it's um, 
post it out there with, with no context. You know, oh yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's true, but what does that mean? Well, Paul is saying, look, I've learned how to be content in life. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. What I've learned is whether I've got things going well or things going not so well, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's the one I depend on. I don't depend on my circumstances. I depend on Jesus Christ. He's the one that gets me through. Why? Because He never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then there's another passage that speaks to me, that encourages me, and that's Isaiah 40. Perhaps you've heard of this. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. The prophet says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to His understanding. He gives strength to the faint, and He strengthens the powerless. Youth may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, I love that because that's saying, do you not know, do you not realize that the Lord is the everlasting God? He's the creator of the earth and He never faints. He never becomes weary. God's not weak in any shape, form, or fashion. You know, even as a, even as a young man, I would, I would run home after church and watch football, you know, football, football, football for like five hours, and then it's like, oh, it's time to go back to church. And I'd be like, oh, I don't feel like going back to church. And I can remember even being young, you know, full of, of life and vigor and energy. And you're like, oh, I don't feel like going back to church. And you, you kind of drag in church thinking, oh, well, I made it. And then all of a sudden, you know, God speaks through His Word, and you sense God's presence in worship. And then when you go home, you're like, wow. You know, I, I feel better now than I did before. You know, that's the thing about God. When you and I, were beat up by the world and we come into, come into church, we're thinking, oh, man, I didn't feel like coming today. Oh, I didn't want to get out of bed today. Oh, I've got so much going on in my life. I'm so busy. Things are so hectic and hard right now. And you come in and you feel empty. And then all of a sudden, God speaks through His Word. And you sense His presence in worship. And then when you leave, my cup runneth over. You ever been there? You know, that's what I'm reminded of is that God isn't faint or weak or weary. There's no limit to God. And so because we have Him in our life, we might come empty-handed. We might come empty. We might come weak and weary. But when we leave, our cup runneth over. Why? Because God is enough. He's the one that gives us the strength to go through what we're getting through. And that's what matters. So you and I have to learn to rely on the Lord and lean on him. Today I want to ask you, how are you running the race of life? And do you have Christ in your life? If you have Christ in your life, then you can rejoice in the hope of glory, okay? You can say praise God, I know whom I believed in. I'm persuaded he's able to to take care of me until he comes back and I tell you what, I look forward to to being with Jesus someday, but not only can I rejoice in the hope of glory, I can rejoice in the affliction of right now. Why? Because I know God's using it. He's using it in my life 
to, to, to remember this cloud of witnesses. Think of the other people that have gone before us and all the things that they went through and the hardships and the adversities. And resolve to lay aside the hindrances. No longer let things like baggage hold you back. Don't let distraction drain your time and focus and energy. When you and I can lay aside those hindrances and remove the sin that so easily entangles, the sin that trips you up the most, and begin to rely on the Lord. And as it says here, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. The source and perfecter of our faith, or as the King James says, the author and finisher of our faith. And I want to ask you this morning, have you turned your eyes upon Jesus? Have you trusted in Him and who He is and what He's done? Have you come to a realization in your life where you know you need the Lord in your life? You cannot save yourself. If you were to die today and stand before a holy God, there's nothing you can say that says, I don't want to go to hell and I deserve to be in heaven. None of us want to go to hell, but none of us deserve to go to heaven. And so what would be your plea? If you plead for mercy after you die, it's too late. That's why this life is given. And each moment we have an opportunity. And that's why the Bible says today, If you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Maybe you've never asked Christ into your life. Maybe you're running this race on your own. And I want to tell you today that God loves you. That He he has proven that He loves you. While you and I were still sinners, Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. He doesn't say, clean up your life and get in church and maybe I'll bless you. You won't find that in Scripture. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right now, today, if you hear God's Spirit speaking to you, He's calling you to come to Him as you are. You might say, I'm weak and weary. You might say, I'm overwhelmed. You might say, I'm a, I'm a hot mess, I'm a, I've sinned, and, 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 and I, I've, I've broken God's law, and, and I don't even deserve to even think about it. I want to tell you something. He died for you, just like He died for me. And so today, maybe you need to come, and you need to say, Lord Jesus, have your way in me. Whatever God is calling you to do, I want you to come. So as we stand As the musicians come forward, we're going to have an invitation. As Brother Danny mentioned, our next steps card. This is one way that you can communicate with us, and we'd love to have a conversation with you to let us know what God's doing in your life, what next steps you need to take. But I want to tell you something. That's for us to to build a relationship with you and have those conversations with you. Maybe you're ready right now. Maybe God's saying, won't you come right now? These altars are open for you to come, to pray, whatever God's called you to do. But my prayer right now is that God will speak to each and every one of us. And I want to I say this, don't waste any more time, okay? Don't waste any more time in your life. If God's speaking to you, won't you listen to Him today and trust and obey as we pray. Father, we come before you right now. 
Thank you for this word from the word. And thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you with your people. And Father, thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to every heart. I pray that you'd have your will and your way. And Father, I pray if there's someone that hears your voice, I pray that right now they'll be willing to trust and follow you today and every day. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.